This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. By association as well, she just kind of ended up with a dickhead husband. Shocking scenes here, guys, in the Flixwatcher studios. Sisters are fanning him out. I think you may need to investigate this in your future conversations. There may be some support needed. <laughs> I did not know this about the her. I am sorry, guys. I took it as like she clearly uses humor to cope with a lot of stuff. And as people with warped sense of humors, me and my sister totally get that because we laugh inappropriately all the fucking time. <laughs> Everyone and welcome to this episode of Flixwater Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Helen. Hello. And today we have our special guests in D. Hello. And Randa. Hi. And we're going to be talking about I, Tonya. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Rhonda and Dee. Over to you please Dee to tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. My sister and I co-host a podcast, Switchblade Sisters Social Club, where two sisters exploit their worst fears for your entertainment. You're welcome. And yeah, we're very, very excited to be here. Met Kobe at the podcast show recently and I bullied him into letting me come on. And here we are. So it worked. A switchblade was involved. <laughs> and a sister. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> so you said your worst fears. What are your worst fears? Do we want to go down that rabbit hole? Well, we do every week. We're afflicted with anxiety. So we're afraid of everything. Yeah. <laughs> but specifically, we talk about, we don't like unsolved cases because, again, that increases our anxiety. We like it all wrapped up in a bow and someone to be in prison. Otherwise, we can't sleep. And so we've covered a lot of serial killers, a lot of just really messed up cases. But we pick ones that specifically affected us in, in some way. My sister has a background in teaching. She used to be a teacher. So she loves the sort of psychology, the childhood, the upbringing part, what makes people the way they are. And I really like all this sort of sciencey stuff. Like I love when the forensics develop so that they can catch a, a murderer like 30 years later using familial DNA or something. That's my bag. <laughs> Helen's also a lapsed teacher, aren't you? Oh, wow. Are you? I am, yes. Oh, congratulations <laughs> for getting out too. Yeah, Don't say that. <laughs> I understand why you did it, but also we need teachers. <laughs> we do. And I always applaud the ones that have stayed and I really commend them, appreciate them. I have kids in school and I'm really glad that there are some who have stayed in the profession because we do need them too. And hopefully at some point they'll be rewarded and treated fairly. But uh, I can't say that I'm not grateful <laughs> that I made my escape. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to be talking, I guess, in some way in this uh, episode about coaching and everything. So we're talking about I, Tonya. 
which involves obviously nurturing of young people. Randa, this is your choice. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it? And then I'll get the timer up ready for the synopsis. Yeah, so we chose this because we actually covered this case on our podcast. And the reason we covered it, the reason we were interested in the film is because we remember it happening and playing out in real time. What? How old? You You guys can't be more than 25. Kobe, you charmer. We are middle-aged, but thank you. (laughs) Can you not remember? I remember seeing it on TV, Kobe. I know, I remember, but I just thought, I just assumed you guys were younger. I don't know why. (laughs) Botox and filler, Kobe. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you. We appreciate it. We love a compliment. Someone told me the other day that I have really good cheekbones and I was like, yeah, I should have really good cheekbones. I paid money for them. So, but thank you. It's good to know that it's money well spent. Fair enough. But um, we remember it. And with the media, you really, you get one side of the story. And I think that's why I really love this film so much, because you got the other side of the story and it was told really well. You got to see it and hear it from Tanya's side. And I think when it played out in the early 90s, it was very much told from Nancy's, Nancy Kerrigan's side. So that sort of led us to it. It was the fact that we remember it being played out. There's the nostalgia factor. And then we covered it on the podcast. So yeah, we had a vested interest to learn more. Okay, so I'm going to get the timer ready. And you have 60 seconds to tell us the synopsis starting from now. Okay, so it tells a story of what happened in the early 90s between two rivals, Tonya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. For those who don't know, Nancy Kerrigan was involved in a really horrendous attack on her. And Tonya's husband at the time and Tonya were in the frame for that. And it's the story explores everything that happened from Tonya's point of view. And it tells it from her side of the story. It really shows her and paints her in an endearing light. It shows you that she's also a victim in the story. And it also sort of delves into the relationships between her and her husband and her and her mother, and which I found interesting and complicated and fascinating in itself. So that's my synopsis. I managed in 60 seconds. <laughs> cool. Yeah, well done. So, we, I mean, the way the story is told, we've got a few different points of view and a few unreliable narrators. How did that kind of work for you in the story? Because there's there's a lot of things happening here and it was only their opinion. It's only, you, you know, there was no, there's no real full-on documentation on what really happened. Yeah, I really liked the way it was almost told like a mockumentary. You know, it was sort of in that sort of tongue-in-cheek mockumentary style. And it actually reminded me a little bit of The Office. Do you remember with David Brent? So I quite liked that side of it. I wasn't expecting that. I really didn't expect it to be that type of film. So that was a pleasant surprise. I enjoyed that. And you're right, Kobe, they did have narrators, the characters in the film, they sort of, I guess the term is they broke the fourth wall and they kind of narrated the story, which I liked. I thought that was a really stylish touch to it. So you got to hear it from the alleged bodyguard's perspective, from the husband's perspective, from the mother's perspective, from the from Tanya's perspective. And actually what was really interesting, didn't expect this either, was that Nancy Kerrigan was in it for only seconds. She wasn't actually a character. And I found that a really interesting, deliberate choice that they made. D. Yeah, it was fascinating again to delve into the background the really sad 
history of Tanya's life. Like Rhonda said, her mum, if there was an award for worst mum, then she would be in the running because it was god awful. And it does touch on, I mean, obviously it touches on serious issues. There was an assault, but it touches on such serious issues like domestic violence, not just between Tanya and her husband and obviously there's a bit of a debate about whether it was one-sided or two-sided either way it's wrong but also the kind of household she grew up in and again this is like from Tanya's point of view and the mom has a very different story in the media and you can read all about that if you want to but it was clearly a dysfunctional relationship regardless of what happened there the exact ins and outs and it's just really sad because I don't know how many of these quotes Tanya actually said and how true they are but just the fact that she felt some of these things like my mum hits me and she loves me and like I just wanted to be loved. It's just so sad. It's just so incredibly sad, isn't it? And you can just tell she's led, she's destined for a life of some kind of tragedy. I don't think we expected what happened to happen, but it was just bonkers, that storyline. I mean, the whole actual incident itself with, with Nancy Kerrigan, it was obviously harsh, but I, I don't know. I feel that maybe it was blown out of a lot of proportion. I don't know, Helen, what, do you, what are your thoughts? I mean, assaulting anyone is is not great. So I, I don't know whether it was blown out of proportion, but I, I think that the punishment, because obviously at the end, she's kind of like banned from skating for life, is perhaps quite harsh for her involvement in it. I mean, she didn't carry out the attack and it is kind of murky about what she knew was going to happen and whether she kind of like intended it to be physical or just kind of a threat is a little bit murky but yeah being banned basically from life from ever skating again kind of felt a bit harsh for her especially when you compare it to Jeff's punishment you know who actually arranged I mean he's a guy so you know he's just gonna like breeze through life and be fine after it you know he didn't didn't have to end up like boxing or all the other stuff that she kind of had to do to get by afterwards. But it, I don't know if you remember this, but it was because it was so big in the media even before the incident. Like suddenly people were paying yeah. attention to figure skating and no one ever gave a shit about that before. But because Tanya, we discussed this on our podcast episode, Ranta doesn't like when this word is overused, but she was a disruptor in that she was so different that she actually brought the whole sport to the international media. And I would have loved her to stay in that field to see what would have happened, you know, to challenge those stereotypes. She was like a square peg in a round hole and that was what made her interesting. She she had incredible talent as well. I think that's what like most people like forget, like the triple axel, like when you see the, like her actual skating footing at, at the end, it's just like, it's really, really amazing. And I think people kind of, forget that and she kind of says you know I became like the butt of a joke and people just remember me for that but you know she was an incredible talent and I just think it's a real shame that we kind of at the time it was very much like Nancy was the princess and Tanya was like white trash and and kind of it was just so easy for the media to kind of paint her as the bad guy really easily. She was tried by the court of public opinion, you know, before we even knew whether she would, she had involvement. And I really do think that her background played a part in it. And that's a really sad, sad fact that she just didn't fit the mold like Nancy did. And she was considered guilty almost by that alone. By association as well. She just kind of ended up with a dickhead husband. 
Yeah, like you fucked them, you don't marry it. It's like yeah, that was an interesting she quote. But ended up in the wrong crowd. Yeah, her, God, her mother was uh, had a way with words. But one interesting fact they left out of the movie was that that she had the abuse was actually more severe in in reality from her husband and his gang towards Nancy than was actually shown in the film, and that was interesting that they played that down. So I guess that alludes to what I was saying at the start, because it seemed that my only knowledge of the actual visibly seeing the incident was from this film. I knew this had happened and I assumed it was quite obviously a, a monumental event, but the film plays it down a bit. So tell us a bit more about what happened in real life. So the story goes in real life, and this actually made it to court, that she had actually been threatened and sexually assaulted by her husband, who was her on and off husband and who was off at the time. So is this Nancy Kerrigan or, or Tonya? Sorry, this is Tonya. Okay. And so the the reality was that, yes, her, she was off, you know, she, her relationship with her husband was off during that period the attack took place, and that she had been sexually assaulted and threatened, not just by her husband, but by you know, the bodyguard, the gang, and sort of threatened into silence. And that didn't make it into the film. And I thought that was actually really quite an important detail of the whole case. And also bearing in mind, I think at the time she was only 23 or 21, really Yeah, crazy. Young. Young, yeah. Exactly. Young, so young that it's, you know, you arguably don't really know what to do in those situations, especially when you haven't got parental counsel to help you. Not that many advisors, you know, the most sensible advisor she seemed to have around her was her skating coach, you know, in terms of sensible adults. So, you know, someone that young with such an unstable upbringing and not having really adults around you that can guide you, I would really challenge a lot of other people in that situation to know what to do or to handle it better. Can I just say, you know, at the end of the film, when they show the little bits of footage of the actual people speaking, the real bodyguard, the real Tanya and so forth, they have cast that film so well that it took me a while to realize, oh, that's not the actor in this film. That's the actual person. Like the person that they got to play Sean, who might be the biggest idiot I've seen on TV in a very long time. Poor Walter Hauser. It was just phenomenal, wasn't it? <laughs> I think this this film is stacked with amazing actors. I mean, Margot Robbie, I think, is absolutely phenomenal from her. Well, we've had in quite a few films. Or, well, she's been in the About Time, which is the... Richard Curtis film. She had a small part in that, but that's the first place, I think that's the first time lots of people would have seen her. And of course, then it's The Wolf of Wall Street, which is where she made a big splash. But just seeing her in Wolf of Wall Street, I would never have anticipated the trajectory that she's had from that. And look, as we're recording, this weekend, Barbie's coming out and it's set to be one of the biggest films of the year. Margot Robbie is the headline star of it and she seems to be absolutely winning it. From that to... Harley Quinn in all the DC films. She's the best thing in all the DC films. She's just absolutely killing it. And in this, she's, she's cast so perfectly. This film reminded me a lot of Monster with Charlize Theron in that, I'm not saying that Margot Robbie looks ugly in this film at all because she still looks stunning. It's a physical performance as well as yeah. kind of like the dramatic in, in, in the facial expressions. Yeah, yeah. And I liked her. I liked her as Tanya. I thought it was a great look for her, actually. You know, a little rough around the edges suited her. And let's not forget, she started in Neighbours, which is another... Yeah, I found that interesting. That she, that's where her acting career started. Her and Guy Pearce. <laughs> mm, true. And Holly Valance, where's she? Where's Holly Valance these days? <laughs> She's somewhere in London. Oh, okay. 
What do you guys make of these of these sports where it's not just about pure like time or strength? It's not about th- if it, if it's Tonya versus Nancy Kerrigan, it's just about who could throw the jab in the furthest. Then obviously Tonya would win. But where you have people who really judge you, not just based on what you're doing on the ice, but also what you bring into the sport, which I think is unfair and that there's an inherent classism there isn't there well let's be honest that's it's not just sports is it and even with like javelin throwing where you think the judging is more objective like it's a number right you've thrown x amount it's gonna come down to like how much sponsorship you get so how much time you can dedicate to training or whatever and even outside of the sporting world sadly we know that there's always an element of non-meritocracy. I don't know what the word would be, but you know, not just how good you are at the actual skill that you are employed or paid to do, but also how well you can play the game, office politics. Well, that's it. And I'm glad Lewis Hamilton has brought that to the fore in Formula One. And I know nothing about sports. I don't watch sports and I really can't comment an awful lot on anything to do with sports, but... Yeah, I'm aware of that in Formula One and Lewis Hamilton's role, and especially in the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think there's definitely, it's definitely something that should be spoken about more in the world of sport, in in any arena, let's be honest. I had a little moment, you might not know this, but me and my sister, we are Palestinian. And I had a little moment of wanting to to compete in the Olympics for Palestine because there's so little money put into Palestinian sports people that I thought I could literally pick any sport and get nominated to play for my country because who the fuck am I going to compete against? And I would make a fool of myself on an international platform. But the idea was to bring attention to the politics of what's going on in Palestine. But yeah, there you have it. You know, it's like, it's all about the money. It's all about who you know, sadly. And it's how much you fit the image and et cetera, et cetera, isn't it? Sadly. But we're going to change that starting here. (laughs) I don't know how. (laughs) Before we get to the scores, guys, we we need to talk about the cast here. Okay, yes. Specifically. Anyone you want to pick out? Rada, Randa, sorry, you jumped in there with, okay, yes. (laughs) You know, I loved... Tanya's character, you know, and I guess that's down to... I love Tanya Harding's character in real life. I think she got a great personality. And aside from what happened, whether people think she's guilty or not guilty, she had a great personality. And I think we need more Tanyas, you know, unfiltered, to the point, straight shooters. I love that. That's my kind of person. So I like Tanya Harding as a person. And I liked... I No, I really loved Margot Robbie's interpretation of her and I thought she really embodied her as Dee said you know wasn't just acting it was just the whole being and she was funny you know I think Margaret Robbie brought that and what about the obviously we've got Alison Janney Sebastian Stan Paul Walterhauser who are all kind of smaller now but we're seeing them more and more Sebastian Stan is Bucky in the, in the Marvel series Alison Janney is obviously she's a living legend uh, we've had her in a film called Lou recently. Paul Walthouse is someone who I'm, I'm always fascinated with. He was in Black Klansman, which we talked about. He was so good as that character. And can I just say, we all know someone like Sean, the bodyguard, right? Who just bullshit, bullshit constantly. <laughs> yeah, the bodyguard. And they tell so, him, that's what you're talking about. He was. He was hilarious, but he like we all know that goals. person down the pub who just has all these stories, you know, oh, I went to Tenerife, yeah, yeah, I went to Tenerife, you know, and it gets to the point where you can't even be bothered <laughs> contradicting them and telling them, like, I don't believe you, because it's just easier to be like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah sure, sure you did. And it's funny, it's entertaining, yeah, but he was, he was amazing. Again, he was like, 
just they, it was almost like they were spiritually possessed by the people they were acting out because again when you see these the footage at the end of the real people it's like how did they do that yeah Alison Janney with a parrot on her shoulders like oh my god really <laughs> the mother the mother was funny the mother is a despicable but yeah. she had a way with words we have to give her that <laughs> she could throw an insult like a spear <laughs> anything from you Helen before we get to the scores I'm, the jury's out for me on Margot Robbie. I think Barbie is going to be the defining moment, but I think this is kind of her defining role. I just think she manages to bring kind of like the childhood sort of innocence mixed with kind of having a really, really tough life, just really brings it to that character. And regardless of what involvement she has, she's a sympathetic character. And I think that is down to how she plays her. And, you know, it's an incredibly physical performance. She didn't do the triple axel, but like she did a lot of skating for this and that is not easy. So I think for that, it, just for the physicalness of it and like, you know, she just brings everything to it and she got a nomination. It would have been nice maybe she'd got a win for it, but it's nice to be nominated sometimes. And yeah, Alison Janey is just so horrific she's just so awful but so funny at the same time that you kind of you're like yeah I could tell she probably had a good time like with this because she gets <laughs> some really good lines I'm just going to pull on the, you're not so sure about Margot Robbie but where are you on the uh, Harley Quinn Suicide Squad Marvel uh, DC I guess you've not seen so many of those or you're not asked I, I kind of pass on that yeah I think that's probably <laughs> where the, the big differentiator because as, as Harley Quinn she's like the DCEU is well established as being quite poor in comparison to Marvel, but everyone talks about Harley Quinn and as about as being like the stalwart in that. And I think that's that's definitely a red thread that she yeah, she has I, all the way through. I know I know people love her and she's like their favourite. I just I think she's amazing in this and in other stuff I'm less I'm like, yeah, she's she's all right, but I, I'm yet to see anything as good as this, I think. So yeah, I think Barbie will definitely bring something. I agree, Helen. This is fantastic. This was amazing. And I've been indifferent about her previously. Are you a DC person as well? Have you seen her Harley Quinn's? No, and maybe that's why. I think, but... yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to work. Because her other films, like Once Upon a Time Hollywood, not really features her. She's decent in Bombshell. And I haven't seen Babylon. And she's had a few, like, kind of bit parts in, like, Asteroid City and the big shorts so but yeah i think it's, it's if you've seen her in as harley quinn and think a lot of people do take on think of her in that regards should we go to the scores guys ready <laughs> i'm sam clements host of the 90 minutes or less film festival another podcast in the stripped media family a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow stripped media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five and you can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Rhonda, with your recommendability. Oh, for me, this was a five out of five. It was one of the best films that I've seen in a long time, actually. And I struggle to think of anything I didn't like about it. Wow, there you go. Deanna, D. I was more conservative. I said a three because I kind of felt like unless you are particularly interested in figure skating or the 90s, 
or true crime, you might not care. But yeah, maybe I'm gonna. Do you know what? I'm gonna go for four. Helen, talk to yourself up. So I, this this is the second time seeing it, and I remember the first time I watched it, I really loved it. Like the soundtrack is banging. Like it's got everyone's winner on there. It's got like some great like rock tracks. It's really cool, and the energy in it is pretty insane and we've already talked about like the really good performances but watching this time round, the comedic approach to domestic violence was really really troubling and there's just Netflix kind of bills this as a comedy it's in their comedy section and it's a bit like okay there kind of are some funny moments but the domestic violence and how they kind of beat each other up is kind of sort of played for laughs and that was a little bit like hmm this time round and also like the break in the fourth wall is kind of like cool once and then twice you're a bit like okay but they do it quite a lot so it was a bit like oh those are things that maybe I didn't notice when I watched it in 2017 18 but now are a bit maybe dated it slightly so I think if you haven't seen it just to kind of like be a little bit aware that it's kind of a little bit of its time and its approaches to stuff and maybe there might be slight differences in, in the, the approach to it but yeah I think the performances are great it's a really really interesting story so yeah I'm gonna give it 4.5 but you know it's interesting the domestic violence issue and I actually thought the reason it was sort of handled so casually is because it was a reflection of the time that things were much certain things then were more normalized and handled differently than they are now and that was my take on it I I totally agree with everything you say. I didn't realize they put it in the comedy section. I mean, granted, there's humor in it, but it, calling it a comedy feels like a big stretch. But I took it as like she clearly uses humor to cope with a lot of stuff. And as people with warped sense of humors, me and my sister totally get that because we laugh inappropriately all the fucking time, <laughs> all the time. So we related hard there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to give it a 4.1. I think it's a fantastic film. I agree with Helen on the on the DV side of things, domestic violence side of things. It was, uh, maybe I just don't remember it from watching the first time or it just didn't register with me. But this time I thought it was a bit, it was a bit harsh, like smashing into the mirrors, for example. It's just like, that is, that's got to hurt and straight, straight punches to the face. Obviously, Tonya using, getting a shotgun out on him and things like that was also... <laughs> she was giving back but also it just wasn't it doesn't make for a fun watch in those respects but then you have the comedic sides where, where she's training again for the second olympics in, in lillehammer and her coach is like saying yeah she did this she had, she had the log going up through the for the woods and there was some comedic beats to it so it does try and keep it upbeat and i think it's maybe just undercuts some of the, the seriousness of the crime itself and also the what's going on within relationship also a mother like if we had to believe it like kicked her around as well so there's just wasn't I don't know if it underplayed some of that stuff too much with the, with the comedy. Makes it a bit harder to recommend. Repeat viewing score. Randa. I can't wait to watch it again. Is this your first time watching it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, I, I could watch it right away because, you know, I, the, the soundtrack was amazing. The comedy was on point. It, it did tick all the boxes for me, I have to say. So my scores are going to be predictable, but I would watch it again in a heartbeat. Okay, and um, what does that equate to out of five? Five. <laughs> Diana? I'm going to go for a three because it. this is, I think, the second time I've seen it. The first time was, I think, when it first came out on Netflix and obviously again now. And I think that's me done 
I think I'll only watch it again, like, maybe in a few years if I've totally blanked on everything about the film, which is unlikely. So, yeah, yeah I think that's where I'm at, around a three. Helen? Yeah, I'm, I'm a three as well. This is my second time watching it. And yeah, enough time has elapsed that I'd kind of forgotten little bits. So if I'd have not watched it again, I would have been a bit like, well, oh, I can't really remember that bit. So yeah, I enjoyed watching it. But yeah, it, I think, yeah, some of the tonal stuff didn't quite hit as well this time. And I don't think there's that much more you can kind of like learn from it. It's, it's not like it is an investigation into the case and you're kind of like looking for clues and stuff. So uh, yeah, a three. Yeah, let's go for 2.8. Second time watching it, first time was in the cinema. I guess I didn't feel the need to watch it again. But I was glad that you chose it because I don't think it would have been on my, at the top of my to to rewatch or watch again list. But definitely glad I have watched it again. 2.8, small screen score. Randa. I watch everything on my phone. What? Get (laughs) out. This was a tough one. Yeah, I do. Of your house. Yeah, do you know what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a reason for this. My kids normally go to sleep minutes before I do. So the only time I have to watch TV is on my phone as I'm falling asleep. So I actually watched I, Tonya across three different nights because I usually have about 15 minutes before I nod off. So that's my explanation for that. Just don't tell Martin Scorsese this, like, you know, keep it on the down low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly can't remember the last time I watched something on an actual TV. So... I mean, I watched everything. I enjoyed it from the size of my iPhone mini, if that helps. It's an iPhone mini. It's this one. Okay. It's a small one <laughs> that you can text on with one hand. <laughs> so what's your small screen score, sorry? Five out of five, I guess. It's got to be high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a D. I'm going to go for 4.2 because I'm jealous because you've used a lot of decimals and I didn't. So 4.2. You can use as many decimals as you want. I'm going to mix them up a bit because the only reason it's not a 5 is because I think it would be kind of cool to see some of the skating scenes on a big, big, big screen, like at the cinema. Helen. I don't think I saw this at the cinema. And I don't know why I didn't. Maybe just timings or I don't know. I didn't fancy it. I can't remember. So the both times I've seen her at home and like, to be honest, I kind of think it's fine. Like the kind of communion watch might have been like nice or just to hear some of the songs a bit bigger. But I mean, you could watch it on your phone. Like maybe if you could like upgrade a little bit bigger laptop, maybe minimum. But yeah, no, I I think it's fine at home. So I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, I think I I did. I definitely watched it in the cinema. I don't think there's anything much to take away from it. That's on a big screen. So yeah, I'm going to give it a five. Engagement score, Randa. Can you explain this one? Because I'm not sure I fully understood it when I was giving my scores, but I think I know what score I'm going to We'd like to say that like a five engagement is you put it on and you're absolutely glued to the screen. You did not do any IMDBing. You could not pause it because you had to watch it all the way through and it held your attention even though there was cats running in and the kids were shouting you were fully glued and then the more times you have to have a break or the more interruptions or if you sit there trying to check your emails and watch it then the engagement gets a little bit lower okay so i'm somebody who cannot focus on films or anything for a long period of time unless i'm fully absorbed 
and if it's fully got me, I'm in. And I, people get so annoyed with me at the cinema or watching anything with me because I'm on my phone the whole entire time. In the cinema? Yep, I'm that annoying person. And then, being her older sister, I can confirm this. She then asks you, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, I can't keep up. I can't. So you're not paying attention. (laughs) Well, I'm not paying attention. And then my issue with a lot of films is that it takes a long time for it to kick into the story. That's why I like series, you know? Like, I'm into stuff like 24 where, bang, from like the first scene, we're in. The action started. So films, sometimes they take a while to evolve. And I'm like, oh, my phone's coming. As soon as my phone's out, I'm lost. I've got, I'm gone. I've checked out. <laughs> I'm in the taxi. But I did not do that during this film. Is it because you were watching it on your phone? I was watching. Oh, no, but that doesn't stop me. Because you can make the screen, you can make it screen on screen or whatever it's Wait, called. So you're watching it. checking my emails. You're watching it even smaller than... <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am. And I'm I'm pretty much always simultaneously doing something on my phone because... Shocking scenes here, guys, in the Flixwatcher Studios. Sisters are finding them out. I, th- I think you may need to investigate this in your future conversations. There may be some support needed. <laughs> I did not know this about her. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I mean, I, it must be said I'm also a social media manager, so my work is on my phone and it follows me around everywhere. And I, if a notification pops, I got to check it. But I didn't do that with this film. I'm going to give it a full five. Wow, you got fives across the board. Yeah, I, I can't criticize it. I loved also, major brownie points for, for me was that it, the, the last song was my favorite song ever, which is The Passenger by Iggy Pop. It's a female-led version though, wasn't it? Yeah, I wondered who it was. I really wondered who that version was by. And, you know, normally, like, as soon as the credits start in the cinema, I stand up and I go because it's done. Like, what's the point in staying? I watched till the very end. Yeah. Well done. You could have Googled it on your phone whilst watching the film. (laughs) (laughs) Shazam. Could have. I could have. I do have Shazam. Could you Shazam at the same time as watching something? I think it takes over your microphone, so it might not have let you. Susie and the Banshees did it. There you go. Susie and the Banshees, yeah. Makes sense. Oh, Susie and the Banshees. Was that the one who did it? Well, yeah, go and see, well, there must be a soundtrack on Spotify. So, yeah, hear that Interesting. Up. We love a bit of Susie. D, mm-hmm. your score. So I took this to mean how much did I check my WhatsApp and social yeah. while I was watching the film, basically. So I gave it a four, which is really good for me because also... <laughs> I don't know if you can tell this about us, but me and my sister have high suspicions that we both have ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) So we can't just be doing one thing at a time. So a four is good. I only checked occasionally when someone I really cared about WhatsApped me. So four. Helen. Yeah, so, I mean, doesn't everyone, like, have to do something while they're watching a film at home? I don't know. I kind of feel that... Welcome to the ADHD club, (laughs) Helen. (laughs) We have a fair few diagnoses in the family. (laughs) I'm going to take my phone out in the cinema, though. That's just, that's just wrong. (laughs) I know, it's terrible. Terrible etiquette. In my defense, I haven't been to the cinema in six years, which probably shocks you even more. But that's down to kids. (laughs) They keep me hostage. Helen. So, yeah, I mean, I I can't give this the full marks because I was reading a lot of stuff about this film. So, like, the little bird that Anderson Janie has, like, on her shoulder, like, she really doesn't like birds. So they had to, like, audition about three or four birds to get through the performance because, like, she just didn't get on with them. So 
I learned that while I was watching it as well. But I think the the energy in it is really good and it, it keeps going for its kind of just shy of two hours runtime. So yeah, I, I'm going to give it a four as well. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it 3.5 because I guess this is basically be my second viewing. Last time when I came out of the cinema, I thought I want to know, often, which happens quite often with a biography or biopic or however you want to say it, is I want to watch a documentary on it and see what, what happened in the ins and outs and see what the people involved. You could listen to a good podcast episode on it. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll listen to that. But it's also the people. Oh. I want to see the, the incident itself and also more from Nancy's side because it was a small snippet and I, I did like the way it was wholly foregrounded on Tonya because she's been the victim. I don't know, she's come off the worst quote-unquote, depending on how you want to describe it. But I'd like to know more about that snippet where Tonya said, we were roommates. We used to hang out. We used to have a good... I'd like to know more about that and see what... Even just one line from Nancy saying, oh, we were good friends before, at least before the incident, you know? But that's me. So, 3.8. And that gives us an overall score of 4.21250. Big. That's big. Yeah. Repeat viewing score where it loses the most marks, but uh, otherwise, pretty special. Okay, so before we go, let's head over to Twitter. Everyone, if you're listening to us for the first time, or if you don't follow us on Twitter, we are at FlixWatcherPod. Do follow us because we do talk about film stuff in general, but also, if you want to shout out on the podcast, look out for a tweet saying something similar to this. We're reviewing iTony with Deanna and Randa from SSSC Podcast. Have you seen it? Tells your thoughts and a score out of five stars for an on-air shout-out on FlixWatcher. So we had a couple of comments. Randa, as this is your film, do you want to take the first one? Okay, so Lee Thomas Five said, one of my films of the year, terrific cast that nailed their roles. Janie deservedly won an Oscar, but brilliant turns as well from Stan, Hauser, and of course, Robbie. We'll be watching this again soon, 4.5. Yeah, D. Right, so John Loftus at Lofty SNDS. So good, brilliant framing, and Margot Robbie is incredible, four stars. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Lee, and thanks, John, for that. Well, again, if you want to follow us online, do follow us. We are at FlixWatcher Pod, and we're also at FlixWatcher on Instagram and Threads, kind of. D, Randa, can you tell everyone where we can find you online and also tell everyone the name of your podcast again so they can search for it in the same app they're listening to right now? Great. So it's Switchblade Sisters Social Club. And Randa, do you want to tell them our socials? Pretty much if you search for that anywhere, you'll find us. <laughs> We're everywhere. Yeah, so we're on Instagram and Facebook and on YouTube. And if you just look for the Switchblade Sister Social Club, without the the at the start. So it's Switchblade Sister <laughs> Social Club. <laughs> right, guys, thank you very much for joining us. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk about iTony again. Okay, Thanks so much thank for coming you. out. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them FlixWatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production. 